Section 12 of Criminal Investigation, Volume 3. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Avayi in July 2017. Criminal Investigation, a Practical Handbook for Magistrates, Police Officers and Lawyers, Volume 3 by Hans Gross. Translated by John Adam and John Collier Adam. Theft. Continued. Section 6. The Theft Itself. As regards the theft itself, a report must be drawn up as to the state of the premises, and if an investigating officer desires, with some chance of success, to carry through the inquiry as it ought to be carried through, he should see the state of the premises as soon as possible after the commission of the offence. Unfortunately, this inspection is often neglected, for reasons of convenience or economy, or, if made, is carried out by lower-grade police officials who are contented with a summary description of the spot where the thief has broken in, the article stolen, and the place where he has made good his escape and as a rule the conclusion of the whole report is as follows. No trace whatever can be found of the thief. But, more often than not, this is incorrect, for in nearly every case the thief has left the most important trace of his passage, namely, the manner in which he has committed the theft. Every thief has in fact a characteristic style or modus operandi which he rarely departs from, and which he is incapable of completely getting rid of. At times this distinctive feature is so visible and so striking that even the novice can spot it without difficulty. But on the one hand the novice does not know how to group, differentiate or utilize what he has observed, and on the other hand the particular character of the procedure is not always so easy to recognize. Only a practiced, intelligent and fervent observer is capable of distinguishing those traits, often delicate but always identical, which characterize the theft and draw important conclusions therefrom. We have often heard tell that in such and such a district numerous burglaries have taken place greatly troubling the population, or that a legion of pickpockets is infesting certain fairs, and because in both cases any clue to the thief is missing, Nothing whatever is done, neither a report as to the state of the locality is made, nor even the victims of the pickpockets examined. Only the most indispensable formalities are gone through, and there the matter ends. Naturally, it cannot be supposed that the thief will always be captured, even if a minute and intelligent examination of the scene of the crime be made in every case, but better results might be hoped for, and the continual turning up of the same facts avoided, if we resolved always to make the necessary inquiries even in thefts of minor importance. Above all, the investigating officer must learn to recognize, by studying previous cases of theft, the procedure of certain known thieves, and a kind of register should be kept, at least in those districts in which they generally carry on their operations. With the help of such a compilation, 
it may be established whether or not a certain crime is characteristic of the usual methods of such and such a band, and if it is, the investigating officer will know how to proceed with the case. Secondly, quite a series of crimes of which the authors are unknown may be attributed to one and the same person, the expert noting a common and permanent character about them all. Finally, it often happens that a thief, who has been caught red-handed in some theft of minor importance, is soon released after undergoing a short term of imprisonment. But if all the thefts recently committed in the district were carefully examined from the point of view of their method of execution, the same procedure may perhaps be found as that practiced in the case for which our thief has been arrested, and he may be rendered responsible for all those crimes which bear the same character. Keeping to the broad lines of theft in general, it is natural to commence with what are called specialists, and nearly all thieves are specialists nowadays. Their speciality is due to various causes, but is based on principles of general significance. In the first place, it is birth and upbringing that assigns each criminal his own particular line. He, who is by nature self-possessed, becomes a burglar. He, who is quick with hands, becomes a pickpocket. He, who has audacity and effrontery, secrets himself in houses. The coward thief must also live, it has been said, and this explains why a member of a band of criminals whose speciality is burglary leaves his comrades to become a bazaar thief. But once a thief has become habituated to work in a certain manner, for everything requires study and practice, he sticks to it and learns no other. Competition produces analogous effects. When there are already many thieves whose speciality is to sneak into houses, a newcomer will find it difficult to earn his bread, for thieves of the same class object to new competition and watch with jealous care that no outsider intrudes within their domain. The most lucrative, but at the same time the most dangerous branches, are practiced by the sharpest and most courageous. Others must be content with inferior methods, and if one among them be still young or less clever than his companions, and yet possesses certain gifts, he will have to choose some branch which has as yet been scarcely exploited in the district, or is indeed quite a new one. If he is a success, he goes on till he works it so extensively and so well that he has elevated it to the rank of a speciality. Chance also plays a large role in this connection, especially as regards individuals, who, once honest, have become thieves by chance. The procedure that chance has presented to them, they preserve, as if there were no other way of carrying out a theft, and except in particular circumstances, they do not lightly quit that path on which they have once set out. In this connection, Lieutenant Colonel Sir Henry Smith, KCB, ex-commissioner, City of London Police, states, Criminals, if they will pardon me for saying so, show a strange want of originality. The streets of London have thousands of pickpockets. They began to pick pockets, and they continue to pick pockets. The omnibus thief remains the omnibus thief, and the stealer of milk cans steals milk cans and nothing else. The stealer of dogs might surely diversify his program by occasionally stealing a cat, but no, 
the feline race concerns him not, with a pocketful of liver, rendered additionally attractive by an admixture of aniseed, he prowls about, annexing everything canine, from the lordly Saint Bernard to the pitiful pug. With strange stupidity they frequent the same line of omnibuses, return to the same streets, and, till Nemesis overtakes them, steal the same articles. In the higher walks of the profession these peculiarities are still more striking. The bank robber and the forger are fascinated by their own style of business. They never have an idea in their hands beyond bank robbery and forgery. The coiner is always severely dealt with, but whoever saw him take to a less dangerous pursuit? The ruffian who robs with violence uniformly knocks his victim down as to slaughter a pole-axe as an ox. The good old-fashioned stand and deliver would in the vast majority of cases be quite sufficient, entailing possibly only six weeks or two months instead of five years or ten. The murderer, should he escape capital punishment, immediately on the expiry of his sentence commits another desperate crime, and again puts his neck in jeopardy. Women have less scope for the exercise of their talents, and have fewer openings to choose from, baby-farming and decoying their younger systems to ruin being the most common, and with a good clientele far the most lucrative. Although the words of Sir Henry Smith are no doubt very true in a general sense, they cannot be accepted without some qualifications. Experience shows that no thief confines himself absolutely to his particular speciality. The inveterate forcer of doors, breaker of window bars, and crowbar expert will have no qualms about pocketing a gold watch that can be easily stolen. But as a rule, the specialist will not depart from his speciality unless he is influenced by chance and necessity. This speciality is of several kinds. It may refer to the particular kind of theft, such as burglary, pocket-picking, sneak thefts, etc., or it may denote the particular way in which for some reason or other a theft is usually carried out. For example, in a theft of money, the thief may be in the habit of leaving part of the money behind to make believe that it is a domestic theft. Or it may be his custom to enter at the attics and lay hold of one of the handbags generally put away there. He will hide the stolen articles in this and calmly go off with it in his hand. Or he turns up as a workman sent by his master and goes off with anything he may find in the hall. Or he comes to read the gas meter. Or perhaps his speciality is to conceal himself near houses in the country to try and find out where the farm people hide their keys when they go to the fields. Or it may be he steals only soiled linen hung out to dry, or brass bolts and locks, or mats in the entrance to houses, etc. Here some particular practices must be noted, which, although they have no connection with the actual theft, may help in discovering and convicting the thief. At the bottom of all the methods there seems to be a trace of superstition, the thief having noticed that his enterprise is successful whenever he proceeds in a certain way. Thus, a very clever jewel thief was in the habit of asking, in the jeweller's shops where he intended to commit a theft, for an emerald necklace. A pickpocket of most irreproachable appearance invariably gave his profession, in the hotels in which he stayed when travelling about in the interests of his calling, 
as that of a traveller in Java wine. A poacher belonging to Upper Styria, who for many years committed misdeeds of all kinds, and whose name was surrounded with a circle of legends, never showed himself, in his audacious expeditions, without an old black silk hat on his head, decorated with a peasant's plume two feet long. His face was also always blackened. A band of burglars greatly feared on the confines of Hungary was in the habit of leaving behind a rosary wherever a burglary had been committed. At the commencement of the nineteenth century a great number of thefts were committed in London in the following manner. The thief with the greatest possible impudence used to open with skeleton keys the houses of people who were absent, generally for the summer holidays, and clear out all the money and other objects of value he could find. No lock was too complicated for him. He opened and closed them without damaging them and apparently without the slightest difficulty. Apart from the astonishing boldness of the thief, he had another remarkable peculiarity. He left behind in all the houses he ransacked a strange perfume of great strength and persisting for months. It was always the same and could be recognized by no one. The accounts tell us of the terror inspired among people who noticed this thieves' smell on their return home, for it signified a great loss. This mysterious individual was never discovered, but it is more and more curious that this penetrating odor, known to all the London police as thieves' smell, never betrayed the criminal either in the street or in any other place whatsoever. We must also consider in this connection, and it is perhaps the most important point in discovering a thief, certain tricks of the hand, knacks or technical manipulations peculiar to individual thieves. These knacks are innumerable in quantity and can only be discovered and grouped by attentive and detailed study. It may be noticed, for instance, that in a certain district the watchdog has been poisoned before each burglary and also that in every case the same poison has been used. Or it is observed that the burglars always effect an entry by the ground-floor window in such a way that it must be supposed that they have already succeeded in somehow opening the window during the daytime and shutting it again to all appearance, thus enabling them to get in easily and noiselessly during the following night. Or it may be found that a particular method is always followed in forcing padlocks, filing window bars, or opening locks, with the object of diverting the attention of the person who is being robbed. The fact of being the only possessor of an instrument is also a very distinctive sign. In England there formerly existed a sole individual, who employed, in cutting open the pockets of greatcoats, a signet ring provided with little knives set on springs and perfectly hidden, an instrument now quite common among thieves. In the same way certain instruments used in breaking open safes, guaranteed burglar-proof, are first the property of but a single burglar, and are a great source of profit to him, until the day when others are able to obtain the same instrument and enrich themselves in like manner. To gather in and utilize these particulars in a given case is partly the business of the detective police and partly of the investigating officer. Every representative of authority must watch and, if necessary, communicate his personal observations and deductions to the investigating officer 
whenever the latter has been unable to repair to the scene of the theft on his own account. It is in noticing such particulars that the greatest difficulty lies. For this, a broad and extensive view is necessary, which does not become absorbed in some particular point, for only he who has learned to dismiss from notice trifles of no importance is able to appreciate details of real value. Points of no significance and no precise character should be rapidly observed in passing, and a full stop be made only at essentials. An unskilled observer will examine attentively hundreds of broken padlocks and forced drawers, and will find them all either entirely alike, or else absolutely different from one another, according to his manner of looking at them. An intelligent observer, on the contrary, will also find them all alike or all different, but he will further notice one or more common points of resemblance in a great number of them, and he will know how, with more or less rapidity, to arrange all such points into different groups, each bearing a mark indicating one and the same origin. This done, these points or peculiarities must be utilized, that is to say, they must in turn be grouped, for this it is necessary to have two categories, according to whether the particular observed belongs to a known person or not. We must then note, as regards the thief whose speciality is known, the particular process he has used and register the cases where this process has been noticed. In this connection the person of the thief himself must be taken as a point of departure. But if the thief is unknown, care must be taken to mark those particulars which strike us in various thefts. They are then grouped according to their nature, that is, their particular character is noted, and they are then added to the list of all other thefts bearing the same character. When a new theft occurs showing a particular feature, we first look through our personal list, and then try to establish whether it can be attributed to a known thief. If it can, attention must in the first place be directed to that thief, and if the observance of the particular sign is accurate, the thief will be found. But if it is impossible to attribute the particular sign or feature which has been discovered to a known thief, we shall try to find out whether there is not an analogous precedent, and if it is determined that similar thefts have previously been met with, the authors of which have remained unknown, there is nothing else to be done but to register this new case in the same list as those others presenting the same character. If subsequently we have the luck to discover the author, either of one of these old thefts, or of a new one belonging to the same category, a mistake will hardly ever be made in rendering the person arrested responsible for all thefts bearing the same characteristic signs. The importance and usefulness of this process are of the highest order. It may seem at first somewhat futile and difficult to turn to practical use, but whoever has tried it soon perceives that the trouble given is largely compensated by the results obtained. It may also be noted that this kind of research work is interesting and adds variety to the monotony of our daily work. End of section 12